thank you, Stan, for joining us and be our guest speaker. And uh, yeah, do you want to take over the presentation? Yes, yes. Thank you, thank you, Dominique. And uh, um, I, I will talk today about links and the, the company I created a, a few years ago now. And uh, we'll try to explain to you what we are building, and hopefully, you will like what we do, especially for uh, mixed reality, which is um, what people call today augmented reality, and, and we call that mixed reality, and I think you will understand why. So just to, you know, to start, uh, I hope you can see my screen, but um, uh, this is a picture of our office in Paris. This is, this is the, the, the main office we have. This is where everything is, is designed and, and built. Uh, and, and where we are building our hardware prototypes. Uh, it was founded, it's a company that was founded three years ago, and uh, we are a team of engineers in electronics, software, ergonomics, mechanics. I, uh, we have two industrial designers and we have a bunch of people in software as well, because when you do hardware, you of course also do software. Uh, we got some funding in 2019 um, 2 million euros for, you know, to get things going. Uh, and just so you know, right now, I'm also doing a, another round of uh, funding. We, we have some ex-Star VR engineers in the team. Star VR was a virtual reality headset. And what was cool about this headset is that it was a 200 degrees field of view uh, VR headset. So it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, the, the project was not finished due to um, political reasons, but uh, the, you know, the device was there and, and some of the engineers were French and they're in my team right now. So yeah, I, I think we have a pretty solid team and I think you can judge that by the, the product we have today. We also have big partners like Qualcomm, you know, Qualcomm, they're making uh, the chipset of, they're designing the chipset of everyone in the planet. And we have, we are doing some work with NVIDIA uh, when you want to do streaming of heavy computational data in the headset over Wi-Fi or, or 5G. Um, and, and so right now we are bringing a new prod product to the market, which is Link version one. Uh, we are already working on version two. Uh, today it's on paper, but uh, right now uh, we are producing the version one and it's very anticipated because I think it's a product that the industry has been waiting for a long time now. Uh, so yeah, this is the this is just a quick picture of uh, what we did last uh, in the last month. Uh, I I had the opportunity to present some prototypes to the French presidential team. So this is my little face in front of the uh, French presidential house, which is the equivalent of the White House, but in Paris. And uh, we have very good support in the community. We have very good support in Europe, uh, but nonetheless, I'm going to Silicon Valley in a few days. Uh, to, you know, pitch investors there as well. Um, those are little pictures you can find on the web uh, that you can find, especially on my Twitter accounts. But uh, we take great pride in the product we are building. And those are all pictures of the prototypes of the headset. So what you can notice on the photos is that the headset is pretty slim. We, we, we made a very compact form factor uh, for links for many reasons. The first is comfort and weight distribution. And the second one is, um, you know, the, the parallax of the cameras. And I will explain that later. But 
I think we have a pretty cool and decent looking headsets. Um, and those are all the headsets you can find on the market today, especially for augmented reality. Uh, there are three slides of these. So those are on the market or on the in the graveyard, but uh, this is what you have currently in augmented and mixed reality. So those are the three slides. And what you can notice about them when you, you know, when you take a step back and look at all these devices is that they're all very uh, transparent devices, you know, optical see-through devices. Uh, with links, we took another approach. You see the reality with the cameras that are in front of the headset and we reproject this camera feed on the screen in front of your eyes. Um, so uh, let me show you first the video. This is what you see through the lens of links. So uh, what is happening in this video is um, on the central circular part is what you see through the lens. And on the left, you can see the direct view of the peripheral vision of the user. And so that's very interesting because you have like a 90 degrees field of view, center field of, you know, your reality and holograms we can put on top of that. So here we put planets, but you can put any type of content, which is text, 3D objects, uh, interaction layers, really anything. And, and you're, you're the masters of the pixels that are rendered in the lens. But what's also interesting is on the, you know, on the left, there is like almost a perfect continuity between your peripheral vision and the central part of your vision through, through links, which means that when you are in augmented reality mode, you can have a very good balance because you get your peripheral field of view. And so, you, you, you know, we, we solved all the concerns of the industry regarding safety and all this usage. You, you don't have the, you know, the tunnel vision of the VR, of the traditional VR headset. It's a, when you're using it in, in AR, you can remove the foam, you know, the VR pad and, and use it like that and have a very open vision. And your central vision is where the, the holographic stuff will, will happen. And what you can see as well is that the colors and the opacity of the holograms are very good. They're much better than any other device in the wild because when you do AR, you know, augmented reality with a transparent device like HoloLens or Magic Leap, you will never have the right colors and you will never have a full opacity. You cannot project black. So I think the technical approach and how we designed the device um, kind of cracked this, uh, this, you know, this caveat of uh, the optical see-through architecture. So now let me back to some of the slides I had. Yeah, so, so this is also, you know, talking about today what, what you, UI and UX designer can bring to this market is that the hardware is there, you know, you can touch it. We have prototypes and you have other brands of mixed reality devices, even though they, they are different, but you have HoloLens, Unreal, um, HTC products, um, links. Uh, the hardware is there or almost, but what we are lacking today for mass adoption is the content and content is king. So you, you, know, you should put your energy if you want to get into XR 
into the, the you know the content creation and to find the killer app or you know the application that people would would want to use and wear a headset to use that because today the hardware is still you know even if it looks like glasses it's it's kind of a brick you put in front of your eyes and, and that can be a problem like a ergonomic problem or a social problem because you're masking the eyes of the users but we have to find you know as a community we have to find a content that will bring the users to wear these devices and another an, an example i can i can cite you know in, in the you know the compromise of the user wearing a headset but using a very cool application was you know pokemon go when pokemon go was out you had to walk around your city or your neighborhood to find pokemons and people were ready and accepted to use an external battery and to plug their phone to use it for you know hours using the you know gps and all the av computation that pokemon go required to to do the you know to run software so millions of people accepted the burden you know to have an external battery to their phones to use this killer application that pokemon go was so you can see that the content was so powerful that people were you know ready to 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 compromise how the device was uh, designed in the first place to accommodate for the content and we need that for ar and mixed reality so my work is on the hardware side of thing I, i'm a software guy but i'm running a hardware company and and the hardware we are building is trying to bring most of what you want has a content creator in mixed reality. We are doing six stuff, you know, like SLAM. Uh, we are doing hand tracking with, with Ultralip, which is the, the state of the art hand tracking in the world. We are doing very high uh, frame rate rendering on the screen and on the cameras. Uh, everything is, is synchronized. We are using the best chipset for uh, XR, which is the Qualcomm XR2. We have a Unity SDK. It's very easy to create content. Uh, we're doing eye tracking as well. So the, you know, we have eye tracking, hand tracking, wall tracking. We're tracking everything in this device. We're doing very high fidelity rendering in both VR and AR. So, so I would say that Lynx is a very versatile device, which means that you can, you can buy it and use it for VR or you can use it for AR or you want to use it for both. So we have customers that are doing Everything you find in, in extended reality, you know, in, in XR, uh, you know, it's doable with links. Uh, but what's interesting is when you leverage what the device can do and you, you start, you know, mixing AR and VR. And this is where you're doing true mixed reality. You know, it's where you, you know, you're, you're mixing like a, a full environment that is simulated, but you can still see your hands and your real feet and your body and so you have a uh, you know a better sense of presence uh, in the immersive experience so this is just one example but you can imagine all sorts of things and we can't wait to see what you're building with that we will provide links with some demos and, and some you know application that can you can run with the sdk right out of the box but we are waiting also for content creator to help us and we have amazing partners like gaming companies or just you know, enterprise software companies that are doing things that might be boring but are you know critical for some uh, jobs, and we can't wait to to see that happening later uh, this year. 
So this is this is a picture. This is a render of the device, but the device pretty much looks like that. Uh, there is no no difference with a, with a real prototype. I don't have a prototype at, at home. Um, I'm at home. You know, it's midnight in Paris right now, Saturday night. Uh, but you can find photos on, on my LinkedIn or on, on Twitter, uh, and we'll post more uh, in the in the coming weeks. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So as I said, you know there are two technologies to do uh, augmented or mixed reality. So there is the optical see-through approach, where you want to do a pair of glasses or something you know transparent that you see that you put in front of your eyes. And so this is where you find, uh, you know, the billion-dollar spending club, which is Microsoft, Facebook, Google, Apple. They're all spending at least a billion dollar a year to, you know, try to achieve this device. And uh, it's it's too complicated. And you will never have with the technology we have today. We'll never have, you know, the perfect colors. And the field of view, you want to have a, a very good immersive experience. But you can do some very cool stuff, like I would call them, you know, 2.5D application where you want to show symbology or text in front of the user. There are already amazing devices for that. Um, Google Glass was the first. It's not the best, but it's a pretty good example. Uh, so I would say that those devices are very good for 2.5D application. Uh, this is the, I think this is where they really shine today, but I don't know. Uh, a lot of you know, if if augmented reality was just smart people and money, it would have been solved already. This is something that Carl Kutak said lately. Uh, we, he's like a, an analyst in in the field. Uh, I think he's right because all the smart people I know they are working in XR today, uh, either in hardware or software. And, and the thing we see today is that it's not possible to achieve what we are seeing in the Iron Man movie. movie. So my point is that we cannot be, build these glasses easily, but I think we can build the Iron Man headsets, you know, the helmet more uh, easily. And this is the, you know, the path we've taken uh, the last three years. So the other approach is, is you know, the video see-through, like what we call video see-through and is when you're doing augmented reality by seeing the live, the live, live feed of a raw camera, a RGB camera that is filming the reality in front of you. And the challenge for that is of course, the, you know, the size of the device, you want to have something slim that is looking like a ski mask or even less uh, for comforts. Uh, there is also a challenge with social acceptance uh, which is the challenge for every device out there. Uh, you know, when you're talking to someone else with one of these devices, the, the user doesn't, know, you know, the other person doesn't know if you're seeing them, paying attention to them, or you're just in your immersive experience. So there are things that need to be solved uh, on the, you know, on the design of the, of the devices itself. Um, we found that you, you don't need to cover the full field of view of the user. Uh, you just need to cover, you know, a sweet spot that we that is between 90 degrees and 120 degrees, maybe. You know, this is this is you know where you have your, uh, the you know the stereoscopy of the of the eyes and where where your brain works. You know, we, uh, you know everything above 70 degrees is you know comfortable enough for the brain to 
to do the you know the depth estimation of what you're seeing and stuff like that. Uh, but what we're seeing with with users is that they really accept something. They really accept holograms like 3D objects when it's between 120 degrees and 90 degrees field of view, um, like horizontal uh, field of view, not diagonal. Um, and Link's version one is 90 degrees and we think it's a sweet spot, but uh, I will let you judge that when you try the device later this year, of course. So this is just a little slide that I like to put, which is, you know, um, like, thanks Hollywood. Uh, everything is awesome, but everything is useless in what we're seeing in the movies. Like the interfaces, the man machine interfaces, they're all very shiny and they look very good on a, on a movie theater, on a movie screen, but they don't make any sense in the way we should build interface for mixed reality. What you want is what people in the Air Force have been doing for the last 40 years. You know, the Air Force pilot, they have like this helmet where they already have augmented reality information and they have that for they, they have had that had for probably 20 to 30 years uh, in combat. And what you want, and as a user as well, is you, have, you want the right information at the right time. You don't want everything all the time, which is what you see on the picture on the left, uh, which is the, the Iron Man headset. And that looks really good in the movie, but it's just nowhere near practical. Like your brain cannot compute all this shiny information and you, you, you know, your brain will just collapse of too much information. And on the right, you have the very famous minority report scene, uh, which is cool. I mean, the display, also display technology can be very, very interesting. Uh, you know, like curved transparent display, uh, that, that can be cool. But the interaction with the hands, and we are doing a lot of hand tracking with Ultralip, you know, and I can tell you that the interaction that Tom Cruise is using is you know, very, very tiring to the, to the hands. Every time you put your hand above your shoulder, uh, you're, you're asking too much uh, for, for the, the, the user's muscles. So that, that, that was my, my take on, on Hollywood uh, representation of augmented reality. Uh, so this is just a slide that you can, you can see uh, on replay, but I try to list what you have on the optical see-through devices and on the video see-through devices that we talk uh, during this, this little uh, uh, talk. So you have the transparent eyeglasses or the ski goggles and you have all those display technology that you can use to make a hardware in this category. You have the combiner and then you have what you get at the end, which is, can you get hard occlusion? Can you get the peripheral vision? Can you get the accurate colors of what you're trying to show to the user? And of course, can you use it outside? You know, that's also a question that is really hard to answer when you're building a, a, an optical seafood device. For example, if you try to uh, walk outside with uh, HoloLens, uh, you will have a hard time uh, to, you know, HoloLens has a hard time to fight with the brightness of the sun. You know, like try to imagine defeating the brightness of the sun, which is the billion nits. Uh, it, it's really hard for uh, optical seafood devices. For video seafood devices, of course, they're operating on the same level as the camera in your smartphone. So when they see the sun, you know, they just change the, 
you know, they change the exposure and they can cancel out the, the bright pixels. And of course, some devices you can see in the wild. I've, I've been talking about HoloLens, but there is also Magic Leap, which was famous for a lot of things, but not the quality of their devices. And there is also the third eye. So you see the device, the last device, the red one, I think it's really interesting, you know, because they want to, I mean, they're selling that to uh, professional people, you know, to the, to the industry where you have to meet a lot of very difficult criteria like safety, like dust resistance and stuff like that. And if you see how the device is designed, you can see that it's blocking the peripheral vision, like the, horizon, the direct horizontal uh, vision is blocked with this device, just the way, uh, just like Magic Leap. You know, like when you wear Magic Leap, you have like the two, the two openings, but everything else is blocked. So you're not seeing much of your peripheral vision. So this is really, really difficult. And it is a killer for professional application because you cannot guarantee the safety of the user if they cannot see on the side, like if an obstacle is coming. So you have to take that into account where you're, you know, uh, trying devices and, and see if it fits your needs, of course. Uh, and of course, they're also hard to manufacture because the either the you know the, the waveguide or the diffractive optics they're using it it's hard to 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 manufacture. It can be very very pricey. And the devices we're building, you know, the the Lynx version one, it's not really expensive. It's it it costs a, a few hundreds dollars to make. Uh, because it's using a lot of the same components that you found in the that you can find in the smartphone uh, industry, which are cameras and, and displays that are produced by millions, uh, if not dozens of millions of units per uh, per year. So yeah, I think we are going to see a lot, much more video see-through devices in the future than we are seeing optical see-through devices today. The challenges we face in uh, XOR hardware is the thermal management, the latency pipeline when when you're you know doing the you know the when the photon gets onto the camera and when it gets back to the screen, you have to be hundred, you have to be under twenty milliseconds, uh, and it's really really hard to achieve. For example, the latency of the camera in your smartphone is is not not under a hundred milliseconds. So, you know, you have to get five times better than what the, uh, a smartphone camera is doing in terms of latency, at least. And then you have to calibrate the devices. For example, the six DOF algorithm, we ha you have to calibrate every headset before packing it because every headset is a little bit different when you assemble it. And of course you have you need a good integration with the developer world, which is, you know, the most important customers it is not the final customers, but the developer that is making application on, on top of the, of the platform. And which is why we've been working with Unity. We also have SDK for native applications. You know, if you want to do OpenGL straight away, but you can use a Unity 3D as well. And uh, the integration is pretty neat. Uh, I've been able to make some application with links uh, with Unity and it's it's really cool. I think developers will embrace the the SDK. Um, but yeah, we you know we we really need to have like a, 
cross-platform um, SDK. And I think this is where, you know, OpenXR come in, into play. And uh, I think OpenXR implementation will be done by, um, maybe not this summer, but Q3 when the device is out to, to, to customers. So uh, I, I think a lot of people are going to build on, on top of uh, OpenXR. So I've been talking very fast, fast, so I'm already at the end of uh, the presentation I have to, today. But uh, you can find my, you know, my my Twitter account. I put that here because you can. Uh, I like to share what the team is doing and what what we are building. And, and you know, we are keeping a lot of things secret. But uh, we, when we think it's it's cool to share something uh, with with the community, we we like to post it here. Uh, there we have also a website and you can see the specification of links and i am i you know i really thank the enthusiasm of the community uh towards uh, you know my company and and what we're trying to do uh because you know we have a lot of competition especially from the very very powerful players like facebook microsoft google and apple so um you know, we're trying to be the European underdog and I think we're doing a good job so far. But uh, yeah, that's it. So thank you very much. And uh, if, if one of you has any question for today, I'm, I'm here uh, for, uh, for that. Um, yeah. yeah, I do have a quick question because those, class, those glasses, or, um, I actually, um, tried in the past at digital domain. I don't know if you've heard of this company or not. It's actually a VR company that makes a lot of like films, you know, digital domain. And the thing that I know about these glasses is I have motion sickness. Like when I'm wearing them to a certain time, I start feeling dizzy. So um, are you those glasses actually preventing that? Because um, from my own experiences, I wear them, I kind of have this like motion sickness, like, you know, it doesn't feel too comfortable. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, mo motion sickness and, uh, you know, user acceptance is, is very hard. Uh, but I think when you're using the device in augmented reality mode, which is what you're seeing on the screen right now, you won't feel any, any motion sickness because the latency is pretty good. Uh, and uh, also the world alignment should uh, you know trick your brain into thinking that what you're seeing is like a transparent glass. So I, I think we did a pretty good job. I didn't feel any motion sickness and, and we don't have any complaint, uh, complaints uh, so far. So I've, I've, I'm not saying we, you know, we solved that, but uh, I think we did a pretty good job. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was just questioning that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, I remember you mentioned that right now the most important thing is to create content because the platform is ready. And uh, yeah, do, do you have any suggestion like what, what software you would uh, like to use for content creation? For example, like Unreal or uh, Unity or some other um, uh, uh, kind of like a software or platform do you recommend? Um... So I will definitely advise anyone to use Unity today for any XR development. Mm. I think this is becoming an industry standard mm. and uh, you know, Unity is doing a, a really good job here. Um, so if you're, 
if you're building with Unity, you, you can build on any device. Uh, all, all the devices provide SDK for Unity, but all the devices do not provide a SDK for Unreal. So I, I would oh. I would tend to say Unity, and uh, I can also tell you that we are not supporting Unity uh, Unreal at the time. Oh, I see. Yeah, and as for right now, there are a lot of web AR uh, platform. Uh, what do you see about the you know app app? Uh, format versus the web AR format. Yeah, the, the, the VR so, or, yeah. So I, I think uh, mobile AR is, is definitely, definitely here to stay. And, and it's amazing that we can do, you know, content creation with HTML and, and JavaScript. Uh, and, and, you know, one of my friend is the developer of the of the A-frame framework, which is a great way to do AR application on the web uh, for you know open source, um, but um, I do not think that we are seeing the you know the performance in terms of latency and power consumption that will allow developers to you know do what they're doing with mobiles today for augmented reality on headsets. So. If you want to develop for headsets, you should try to learn, you know, to do native application with Unity. Mm. Uh, but if you want to stay in the mobile world, you you can continue to do, you know, to do web content in, in AR. Mm. And and I think it will stay very true for marketing applications, you know, like virtual try-on and like like makeup try-on, dress try-on and stuff like that. It's amazing. And, and we are seeing the same kind of sensors in the phones than in the headsets, but it's just a display that is changing and making the experience much more immersive with, with headsets. Um, so, um, and, and the, you know, the, the performance you need for headsets is just on another level from what you need from a smartphone. Mm. So, yeah, it, you know, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. Yeah, uh, as for that, uh, I mean, like 5G, well, 5G helps the latency of uh, uh, both mobile phone and uh, headset. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for me right now, I'm learning Unity and uh, doing my uh, uh, VR app. Uh, so yeah, so I mean, be, the, the reason why I do it is because I believe in the future, pretty much, I, I saw the news that Apple is going to launch their AR glass next year. So all the, um, I, I, I kind of think that all the device will be, we will be moving from mobile to headset. So yeah, it's good to uh, start working on more like natural user interface, for example, like head, uh, you know, head tracking or uh, iris tracking gesture, touch control, uh, voice command, or even brain interface, rather than uh, keep uh, working on the 2D visual, um, you know, the, the UI UX, because the UX UI in mobile is really different from the UX in, um, in VR. In VR, we need to think of 3D space. And also, for example, like I, I learned from a developer, which, um, there are so many stuff to prevent motion sickness. For example, you need to frame, make a frame 
um, you know, when you do uh, UX UI, uh, for example, when you are moving, actually teleporting, either you do like, for example, fade in, fade out. So, you know, your eyes can kind of see something and kind of block in and then see something so you won't get motion sickness. Or when you kind of been teleporting, most, uh, like moving in the uh, kind of like in the movement, it's good to frame because our brain receive that frame uh, better. For example, when you're driving, you see the frame, you feel uh, you, your brain will tell you you are sitting in a device. So uh, your body and brain and your eyes can be aligned. So there are a lot of different UX UI um, um, in VR than in actual phone. Yeah. So yeah. Do you have any yeah. advice for um, or some somewhere uh, people can learn um, the UX UI or the design for for VR or uh, AR more? So um, the, the first thing you mentioned is 5G and you will see in the coming years that 5G is definitely going to help um, content creation and delivery <laughs> in augmented reality. Um, you know, we, we are putting, we're stacking a lot of sensors and processing uh, in links, you know, in mixed reality devices. And 5G in two, in two years will help us to have a lot of the processing happening somewhere else and not on the device. So, and, and 5G is a great step for us to have much lighter devices in the future because all the processing is not needed to, you know, to be on the head of the user. So you should definitely keep an eye on 5G for that and the latency definitely helps doing that. We couldn't do that with 4G. Um, for the content, you know, for the UX and UI, I would advise anyone to, to read the, the blog and the developer website of Ultralip. They're doing amazing work. Oh, can, you, can you share the link? Yeah, um, I can, I can, yeah, I can definitely uh, share the, the link here, but they, they have amazing, um, you know, amazing explanation for mani manipulating virtual objects and, and doing some very natural interfaces with hands, uh, which is critical. And, and, you know, this is knowledge which can be lost, you know, uh, it's so new and there are so few people working on that. If the company close or, you know, we don't have a lot of people working on that. So I'm putting the link, uh, you know, in the chat here, but you can, uh, you should definitely try to read that and you will find, you know, great, great, great little tricks and queries to, to, to do some very cool interfaces. Mm, yeah, because right now I'm learning, I hire a developer to teach me how to do VR. Uh, development and now I'm learning trigonometry. <laughs> yeah, because I, I want to create a spaceship. And the, the problem about spaceship is that there's no traction in the space, right? And uh, I have uh, someone who is using um, um, Oculus Quest inside the spaceship. So when you use the device or hand gestures, it's moving apparently uh, not only the, the player, but also the spaceship. So it's a little complicated and my background is art. So I have to redo the math because math is really important. The reason why I study art is because I'm not good at math. But right now, if I want to do something cool, I need to go back to learn. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Unity and, and software like that cannot solve everything, and mm -hmm. and and you need you you don't need a master degree in in, in mathematics, but you definitely need to understand uh, trigonometry and, and and stuff like that to do any kind of 3D today. But but that 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 works, you know, for VR and AR. But if you're also making a, a you know mobile game, it, it's good to know trigonometry and and, and you know uh, some some laws of, of speed acceleration and stuff like that. Mm, cool. Yeah. Anyone want to ask Stan questions related to um, the the AR VR mixed reality? Yeah. Actually, my yeah. mom. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Because uh, when you're talking about the frame, you know how like you get a motion sickness, like uh, you were just uh, mentioned that. And I think the part of reason is so before that we actually went to digital domain because they try to build this like uh, VR cinema for like film industry. And it's really difficult to the frame thing because it's actually everything up the air stuff. And also people are sitting, you know, like uh, we try to make those uh, cinemas kind of around it. You know, it's wrong. It's basically now like square cinema. It's kind of rounding cinema. And it didn't really work. It's really dizzy. For some reasons, I don't know. I, I never tried the product. I'm sorry. But the product we used to try, like a few of them, are very dizzy. Like maybe for the first 10 minutes, it's okay. But like after like a, like a 10 minutes, like especially when something start moving really quickly or something like give you feeling you're actually part of it or something, you start getting dizzy. And I, we try to feel them just cannot be going away. So that's why my, my question was like, how you, if, if you device actually can solve the problem because that's part of the reasons, you know, the deal has been like a push off because like, you know, like there's no way they can build a cinema. Everybody comes out and they start puking, you know, because it's really dizzy. Yeah, um, our device is trying to keep you in the real world. And the VR device is trying to put you somewhere, like in a movie or in a game. Or, and we want you know, to keep you anchored in the real world. And I think that in mixed reality, you won't have this dizziness because uh, you, will, you, you will still have your horizon. You will still feel the things around you, uh, but in VR, when you're, you know, in another environment, uh, you're not, so your body is not moving, but what you're doing in VR is moving. And so your brain doesn't understand that. He's feeling that you're not moving, but your eyes and your ears tell you, hey, something's happening, I'm moving, I'm playing or doing something. And this is, this is where you become very sick. Like you can become you can become sick in thirty seconds. Uh, yeah, yeah. But the things like when we trying the VR, we actually trying a different way. Like with the, with the glass, we actually trying on the, uh, one of the uh, uh, motorcycles. You know, like you know those like fake one. You can actually kind of like a forty, like a five D, like a cinema. Like give you mm -hmm. like also smelling feeling and the 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 you know the fan making your hair blow and all the mm -hmm. feel like you actually ride a motorcycle and with the VR glasses even though our motions are wrong with the uh, follow the like the like the pattern stuff like that we still kind of feel dizzy see that's the one of the my my question like uh, if you glasses one, one wear them if I walking around in the room or something you will not have any problems right I will not feel anything that's kind of weird or like dizzy or I'm just kind of like in the brain just now used to that kind of environment um is that is is that one of the your products actually 
are smoothed out all those issues with the human brain and uh, re, like you know act like reacting with those glasses or could that's actually mean question that we had with a few you know like VR and the AR companies one way just you know try to looking for their products yeah mm. so I think in VR you will always find users that will feel some some dizziness um, okay. Depends on the hardware, of course, uh, but you know what we're doing is is you know kind of a premium headset where the refresh rates, like the you know the, the the speed of the rendering and and how we capture the environment is is fast enough, so you your brain doesn't have the time to 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 tell you, oh this is not real, you know like uh, the you know the smoothness of the of the environment and the 3D in front of you should be good enough for your brain to be tricked. And I think we are at that point. And also what is very, very important is the fact that our headset is open on the sides, which means that you have your, your peripheral vision. And your vision on the sides, you know, is where you're not very good in acuity or in color, but you're very good for movement and uh, you have a very high refresh rate because this is where, you know, this is where the predators come from, you know, the, the, this always on the sides. And, and there is an expression in English, which is, you know, to see the tiger behind the bushes. And this is, this is exactly that, you know, your eyes are looking for motion uh, on, on the sides. So this is why we, we kept our headset open. So you can have that vision and that sense of balance back. So you don't feel too, too much dizzy. So in a way we're kind of solving that. Okay. Um, for the manufacturing, are you guys seeing, are you guys making this in French, like Europe, like you have a, like a, a manufacturers already made the products, right? Like, are you? Um, so the, the, the production is, is uh, in Hong Kong and the other, the, and, and oh, also in Taiwan. Okay. Oh, Taiwan and Hong Kong. Okay, that's, okay. All right. All right. Thank you. No, no more question. I just wonder that. Thank you. Uh, any other questions you want to ask Stan? Um, yeah. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, okay. So yeah. Thank you, Stan, for uh, spending your time. I know this is your midnight and I really appreciate um, yeah, your time. So yeah. Thanks everyone. And the same Stan. And uh, yeah, I mean, right now I am actually, I'm working on a kind of like online um, course, uh, kind of like a platform, which is teaching um, XR. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I love to invite a lot of uh, our guest speakers to be the mentors. Yeah, right now I'm preparing the class. Yeah, okay. so start, I will already launch gamification because I know gamification is, you know, the whole concept of AR, VR, AR. It's like a game, right? Not just like, you know, you swipe the content and uh, yeah. The next one uh, launch, I will, I, I'm preparing, which is NUI natural user interface. And later I will do more like AR, VR, MR. And I also want to invite a lot of um, um, mentors to uh, join the platform because uh, what I find out the, a lot of people's question in this community is that a lot of people with a lot of different backgrounds, such as, uh, you know, designer, artist, a lot of, you know, um, people like 
developers, web developers, they want to jump into XR, but they don't know how. So every questions uh, I, I heard is that, hey, my background is such and such, and I want to jump into do more AR, VR, MR. How can I, um, you know, contribute? It seems like there's no uh, university major specific for, you know, XR or, you know, something. So, yeah, so I, I think it's a really good um, kind of like, uh, like I'm thinking about how to um, help more people to join it as a beginner. Yeah, so, yeah. That's great. And uh, if you if you need any help for that, uh, I can I can probably give you advice or recommend people to to talk to. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I will definitely keep in touch with you. Yeah, for all the um, AR VR um, education stuff. Yeah, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, talk to you later, Stan. Mm. Okay. okay. Thank you, everyone. Bye. Yeah. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, man.